Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Man, do we have a big show today? It is Gamey's Week, and today is our fourth annual Gamey Awards nomination show coming up in the second hour at 510. We'll be breaking down all the awards plus the nominees for 10 different awards. Plus, there will be a very special addition to this year's Gamey Awards, which the actual award show is coming up in the second hour on Friday, 510 and 525, the two segments that we will feature the nominations portion of the week. Plus, we did have a show yesterday. We'll have Jabroni of the Week. That wraps up our number one. And we're going to hear from Derek Young here in just a moment. Travion freaking out. Paul, because he didn't get the show started on time, probably getting emails that there was a bit of dead air. Uh-huh. That was my fault, though, because I accidentally left the uh, the page of where Travion is hitting all the buttons for the production part of the show. I left it on the Gamies page. I had to make sure the music was ready to go. Had to make sure our studio audience was ready to go. The drum roll was ready to go. We're all set up, wait, boys. Wait a minute. Show prep? We do show prep around here? No. No, oh, I, okay. I do show prep. <laughs> yeah. I, I do show prep. I show up. Yeah. 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 Right? Ah! And you know what they say? When you see Paul Parker oh boy. walking around, he's like the Grim Reaper. He's like the guy on the NFL teams that does the cuts. When the he, Turk? Yes. When he gets that email, you're out. You got to go. We have a full crew today. Mitch Fortner alongside Troy Coverdale, who's actually in DG spot. David Garcia, David G is here. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have Travion Berkland wearing his manager Blue Valley basketball hoodie on a 100-degree day. I, I stepped outside because I hadn't been outside <laughs> since 11 a.m. It was already warm. I stepped outside and I was like, you know what? It's technically 100. Heat index at 107. I was like, you know what? I think there is a difference between a 100-degree day in June Compared to August. Oh, yeah. August is ready to go uh-huh. for 100 degree days. Mm-hmm. I don't think you get the full force of 100 degrees winds in June. It just doesn't feel the same. You know what I mean, Deej? I know what you mean, especially in the morning. See, you I, know? I, I feel like the other other way. I, I feel like the 100 degree hits you harder now because it's the first. No. You go, ah! Yeah, I've been exactly. through a few of them. I go in the morning, it's like, this ain't going to be so bad. And then it begrudgingly gets hot. August 100 degree day, it starts at 3 o'clock in the morning. 
You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, bam, it's yes. 100 degrees. That's exactly right. And I tell you what, to me, feels like my with, with my body, I can really tell there's been a big weather change. It's like, okay, we're, you know, it's like winter transitioning into spring, and we're in those days where we're like getting highs in the 50s. And then all of a sudden, the next day is a high of like 78. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Jesus. Mm-hmm. This is a big difference. It's uh-huh. kind of hot outside. It's crazy. The first one uh-huh. feels way warmer. Uh, it's Wednesday, guys. And you know what that means. AEW Dynamite tonight from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Guys, Sting is in action. What? He's in a tag team matchup with his guy, Darby Allen against the pain maker, the Ocho, the demo god, the wizard, Chris Jericho. And Sammy Guevara, believe it or not, this last Sunday was the first time ever Sting versus Chris Jericho was a match. Ever. And they go back to the WCW days in the 1990s. They go back a long ways. They had never had an interaction before in the ring until a couple of weeks ago. You know what? That's a really key piece of trivia there. That's a wild deal. Uh, it's just like Sting's coming. Is Arn Anderson on line three? Arn Anderson is with AEW. Oh my god! He is he is currently employed by AEW. He's on TV once in a while. <laughs> Speaking of the Four Horsemen, so is oh actually I think maybe Tully Blanchard's no longer with AEW. I think he left, but he was. I shouldn't say anything because Arn Anderson probably at his age could still whip some butt. He's put on some weight. Sure, he's not exactly like the enforcer anymore. I right. would say. But he was known for his spine busters. Yeah. I think he could probably still deliver one. Yeah. That skit, though, that the NWO boys did on Arn Anderson and the, like, the, the Four Horsemen. Do you remember that at all? Oh, my God. They dressed up like Ric Flair and Arn Anderson. I guess I don't remember oh. that. It was. It's really good. Our, really good. Our next guest, Mike, which, by the way, also, speaking of AEW, their first ever video game, Fight Forever, is released tomorrow morning. Ooh. It's been like two years in the making. It's finally going to happen. I have it pre-ordered, already downloaded, ready to go. Just can't play it until tomorrow. But it's Wednesday, and it also means we are joined by Derek Young from K-State Online. D.Y., to kick things off, you know, I think a lot of us can remember where we were when major moments, good and bad, have happened. Like with David G. probably remembers where he was when the 9-11 attacks took place. Mm-hmm. I remember when I where I was when Deuce Vaughn was drafted to the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> Troy probably remembers exactly where he was when the Titanic sank. Uh-huh, right, yeah. But D.Y., I got to ask the big question because this was 25 years ago today. Twenty-five years ago today, The Undertaker threw mankind off the top of hell in a cell. Oof. Still, probably the biggest spot in pro wrestling history. Dy, I know you're a fan of the old school wrestling. Do you remember where you were when that took place? Unfortunately, I had yet to dive into wrestling just yet. Like I remember watching it in retrospect. Retrospect, once I became a fan of wrestling, but at that moment, I was still eight or nine years old. Mm-hmm. I hadn't dove into it to, with uh, two feet or head first just yet. I was obviously already watching it. That was back when the cable company that we had gave us pro wrestling pay-per-views for free. Uh-huh. And back then, yeah. I think they were, I don't know how much they were, like 25 30 bucks, maybe $35. I don't know. I don't remember. I didn't pay for them until like 2003. Mm-hmm. Had a, a, the whole Attitude Era... 
the w, the good WCW run, all the pay per views were for free. But I'm, yeah, you've seen the match, haven't you, by now? Yeah, I mean, probably once or twice, just in retrospect, and I know it was a big moment. My my first memories as a wrestling fan, I actually first fell in love with like the WCW Nitro days. Mm. Who's your guy? I think Sting. Yep. Sting. For sure. Tell you what, Sting is now, he because I just brought him up because he's going to wrestle tonight on AEW. And 25, I mean, 25 years ago was 98, and Sting was on top as the Crow Sting oh. in 1998. That was his best run ever. Dude, when he, yeah. when they were doing the fake Sting, oh, and yeah. then he comes out like the fake Sting and then pulls the mask up, and it's real Sting. And, it, and it's his face paint. Popped <laughs> yeah. the boys. I mean, I, I almost just moved. Because I was so, I was so excited, I was just packed up all my stuff and left, moved to Morganville. Sting was definitely my favorite when I began watching. Sting was my favorite was the WCW Nitro days, and I believe that's when like the the streak from Goldberg began as well. Uh, uh, Ooh, good trivia question. What was Goldberg's record? What was his last undefeated record before he lost to Kevin Nash at Starcade? You remember? I don't. Yeah, no, I don't. I might have faded a little bit off of WCW before his streak actually ended, just a little bit. I think it was one sixty-eight and zero before he lost to Kevin Nash. Everybody's like, "Oh, Kevin Nash is booking in those yeah. days." Like he probably just booked himself to win. It was time. Goldberg was getting old yeah. and just winning all the time. People were turning on him, like with Hulk Hogan, like when he was yep. really good and just eat your vitamins and say your prayers. <laughs> People got sick of that after a while as well. That was actually a big part of why they turned him heel in 96. Oh, man. Yeah, the the intro, what I think was probably the best part of it was like the introduction, the way that they really built up Goldberg, like making his way to the ring. Once That was before they turned on him, like when he was at his, you know, high marks, they just acted like it was like, you know, the best thing ever, just walking through the halls just to get to the ring. Oh, man. And now these days, like, Goldberg has come back a few times to work some I, I saw him at a WrestleMania against Brock Lesnar, and it was just a finish fest. They just did their finishes over and over again. <laughs> it was actually five minutes of awesome. <laughs> it, it was it was pretty sweet, actually. But he is so dangerous yeah. in the ring because he's just, he, when he got into the business, he was really untrained. He was so green. But he was just so strong and dominant that they, they ran with it because it was getting over. I hadn't seen anything like that yet. And it, plus, he also looked like Stone Cold. He did. Bald, the black trunks. It was just, you know, it was the next Stone Cold, but he was just more of a, I don't talk, I just kick ass. Yeah, when he would do that yeah. thing, like staring into the, the, the fireworks. Oh, my God. St- stood in the yeah. fireworks, he, like, the pyro. He shoved the cops out of the way. And I was like, who is this guy? Dude, he just shoved a police officer. And then he'd do the thing where he'd go, ah, you know, you get all mad. <laughs> oh, my the, God. And the match would take sec- like 16 seconds. You're like, this yeah. is yeah, my favorite the, wrestler. The, the production of it, yes. more than anything, kind of made the guy who he was, was to be quite honest. Um, and then the idea of like nobody could even last twenty seconds in yeah. the ring with him. It was, it was almost like they were trying to make him like what Mike Tyson was at actually boxing at that moment when he couldn't. No one could last a minute with Mike Tyson in the ring. Brought up the his intro when he would walk to the ring. He would start in the locker room and then there'd be security and police escorting to the ring like he's a deranged lunatic. Yeah. But he also for a while before he would exit the door, he would either punch it or headbutt it. <laughs> And then, I mean, we're talking a solid steel door sometimes. Oof. And there yeah, was one that, time that, where that's he, why people liked him yeah. too, because he had like he basically still had that fiery football player mentality. Yeah. <laughs> if you get a chance, go look up the old Goldberg Chris Jericho 
uh, rivalry when Jericho couldn't find his way to the ring. He was lost. <laughs> And then the because pi- he hurt himself. <laughs> well, the, no, the he was just he was acting cocky. He was acting like Goldberg. And then he's he starts in the locker room. He's got these two jabronis that's going to walk him to the ring. <laughs> he's just, the whole thing is just mocking Goldberg, yeah. right? Well, then he's like, "All right, uh, Philadelphia, what's going on?" He's acting like he's David Lee Roth yeah. on his way to the ring. But then he realizes he has no idea where to go. <laughs> <laughs> it is hilarious. And then they do the pyro thing, and the pyro doesn't work. It like just sends off one spark and he's losing it. It was it was good comedy. But of course, then he obviously jobs to Goldberg. But then in real life, he like puts a puts him in a cross face, right? Wasn't it? Wasn't it? Um, Chris Jericho and Goldberg got in a real fight backstage, and like Chris Jericho like beat him up. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm gonna look it up because I'm pretty sure, like, because he they ask him all the time. Jericho's like, yeah, yeah, I I totally whipped him. <laughs> it's like, dang, Goldberg was back there thinking he was really Goldberg. Nobody was softer <laughs> in wrestling when it came to actual real fights than Shawn Michaels, but I don't know anything about Goldberg. All right, let's oh. Dy. We need to we need to get into this. I love the wrestling talk, but let's get into uh, some recruiting. Let's start with football because this was a, a big recruiting weekend, obviously. You know, the big three were were brought into town, or two of the big three were brought into town, and Caden Massey and and Michael Boganowski, in-state kids. I actually want to start with the other part of that big three, though, and that's Grant Bricks. I think that – is it Bricks or Bree? I I go with Bricks because, you know what, it it sounds better. You you have an offensive lineman with the last name Bricks. You might as well get one with the last name Mortar, too, right? Bricks and Mortar. (laughs) He's a four-star guy. According to On3, he's the best interior offensive lineman in the country, and he's the best player out of Iowa, according to On3. But I know that's a relationship with K-State that's going back – uh, you know, probably going back to last year at least with Connor Riley in the mm-hmm. camp that they had last year with him there. He's getting five star offers galore. Alabama just recently comes in and he visits Tuscaloosa. I guess the question is where are we at right now on him? This would be the prize of the class if he does pick K State. I think Kent State's in that final top couple schools, and they have every reason to believe that they're going to be in it until the end and have a legitimate chance to land them. I even go as far to say, and I haven't made an official pick yet just because there isn't enough known yet. I don't think confidence on either side to say where he's going, but I kind of lean towards Kansas State's direction, to be quite honest. And now all of his, four of his official visits have been taken. He went to Kansas State, he went to Nebraska, he went to Oklahoma, and he went to Alabama. He was supposed to go to Notre Dame, didn't take that visit. I, You know, for a while, I thought it was the Sooners or Kansas State. I think at this point, it's kind of shifted more towards the Kansas State and Nebraska battles, what it appears. And uh, I think a lot of that reason is probably become, because as closer we get to decision time, and we don't know exactly when he's going to make his pick, but we think it's relatively soon. It just seems that proximity to home becomes more and more important. Speaking of, of home, the other big three, and I mentioned him just earlier, the next I want to bring up is another offensive lineman. Of course, that would be a big part of the 2024 class, as you know, of course, the starting five. This is going to be their last year uh, with K-State. So there's spots to fill, of course. Caden Massey from Linden, Kansas. And we brought him up last week because he was a part of that visit this past weekend. He's visited a whole bunch of times, three stars. And you might as well have his last name, Massive, because he's <laughs> massive. 6'8", 255. Third best player in the state of Kansas, according to On3. 24-7 has him, actually, as the number one player in the state of Kansas. Also the 25th best tackle. 
in the country. The big news about him, D.Y., is earlier today he announced that he'll be announcing his commitment tomorrow at 7.30 from Linden High School. Down to four schools, he says, K-State, Oklahoma, Nebraska, and Ole Miss. But I remember talking last week um, about his potential of of being a Wildcat. Is that still the feeling that he is leaning towards K-State? I think so. I would still, I'm still at the point where I would be pretty surprised if it's not the Wildcats. I like Kansas State's chances. Those four schools are ultimately where he took official visits to. He canceled his KU visit. So that's probably why he puts them in that final group. But I think at the end of the day, the two that kind of separated themselves the most were Kansas State and Nebraska. I, I think this one is still K State's to lose. And, you know, I'll touch on this as well. It's interesting the, the amount of, I wouldn't say disagreement, but a little bit of fluctuation in the state rankings this year. Now, obviously, the 2024 class, not as high, not as high caliber as what we will see even in 2025. And 2025 has a chance to be better than 2023, which obviously that had Avery Johnson, Dylan Edwards, Joe Odding. So that's saying something. But 24, um, the class in between those two, not not as not as deep, not as talented. But the the amount of fluctuation and what services believe is interesting to say the least, because there's been some modifications made, or at least some updates, as you said. Two four seven Sports now ranks Caden Massey number one in the state. On three, actually, um, not the on three industry ranking that takes in all four, just on three's rankings itself now is Gus Hawkins, the Kansas State commit from Mill Valley, is the number one player in the state. But the industry ranking, which takes into account all four networks, has Michael Boganowski as the number one player in the state. Well, D.Y., let's take our first break. We're talking with Derek Young from K-State Online, who will join us for one more segment. And, D.Y., when we come back, we'll finish up football with the latest on Michael Boganowski. And then we'll get into basketball recruiting. It sounds like Coach Tang is interested in filling those last two scullies with a couple of nears. That's up next. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's on the game. Welcome back to the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G., Travion Berkland, Derek Young from Case and Online joining us via the Zoom. Some breaking news, and I think we're going to actually have him actually watch it at 440 once we get done with DY. Troy just told us he has never seen any video before of mankind flying off hell in a cell. That's got to change. I want to get his. I want to get his live reaction to watching it. Um. That seems dangerous. <laughs> That's what Troy's gonna say. <laughs> uh, I, I, I want to see the uh, signed legal paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you don't use that F word, I think we'll be all right. <laughs> We're back with Derek Young from Case Down Online. D White, to, to continue on with the football talk, we've talked about Grand Bricks, Caden Massey. They are two of the three big names that K State's trying to land for the class of 2024. The other 
is pretty much everywhere, just about. Four-star linebacker Michael Boganowski from Junction City is listed as the number one player in the state of Kansas. And then this past weekend, he made his seventh visit to the Wildcats. And watching the social media, I actually enjoy it because he puts out these teasers, right? Like these teasers, like could it be K-State, maybe Oklahoma? I think it's been more you know, towards K-State, though. Um, just kind of putting out these these teasers, and I think that's the way I would do it. That'd be a lot of fun to just keep people guessing about where exactly he's going to go. But as we talked last week, the feeling was it's it's got to be either K-State or Oklahoma. After his seventh visit, has that needle moved at all? You know, I'm starting to hear things that are a little bit more and more optimistic, the, the least – invoke a little bit more optimism optimism sorry i can't talk today about kansas state um but nothing like really really significant but just like little morsels of info here and there that would would suggest kansas state um i still think it's as tight and as torn as one can be about where to go i will say i will say that it certainly seems like family um is leaning towards him remaining in state we'll see if he makes that same choice i think that brent venables in oklahoma has really turned his head as well well i tell you what if you want to get the big pop out of the uh of the k-state family keep the teasing up and then when the decision is uh going to be made you'll get the big pop uh if it's you know if it does feel 50 50 is there any you know do you have any inside knowledge of like Michael Boganowski or Grant Bricks of when that decision could possibly be coming? You know, I thought it was going to be pretty, pretty quick, like a really quick turnaround, like within the week. Um, maybe it's before two weekends from now, but the more and more chatter, really, it, it's so hard to pin down the timing on some of these. Now, I still tend to think that we're not going to get too far into at least July before we hear something from Bricks or Boganowski, but again, um, the timing aspect, timing element of a recruitment is probably the most fickle, the most fluid, um, the one that gets modified the most. So I wouldn't want to put my name on on anything too much just yet. Uh, just something to think about, though. Um, you know, this crossed my mind, and it's pretty – it shows you where the Kansas State recruiting profile is, but it also, if you like to you know, like take jabs at your rival, this is could be some heavy ammunition, right? Think about the potential that Kansas State were to be the winning school for all three of Brant Bricks, Michael Boganowski, and Caden Massey. As an Oklahoma fan entering the SEC, I don't know that I would be feel you know spectacular about losing three straight recruiting battles to the likes of Kansas State before that happens. And obviously, I'm sure K-State fans will let the Sooner fans know if that indeed does come to fruition. Well, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, a couple of years ago, that it was uh, – I got in trouble when I called them big-name schools, but like the Oklahomas, the Clemsons, the Notre Dames, uh, Nebraskas, were getting the top talent in the state of Kansas, and now Kleiman's trying to go back-to-back years in keeping the top talent in the state of Kansas in the uh, – you know, coming – or staying home, coming to Manhattan, as we're now seeing, you know, two of the top three – now really in the conversation with K-State. And plus the Cats, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, D.Y., but they already have at least two of the top five in the state of Kansas coming to the Cats for 2024. Uh, 
trying to think of how I would do it. I, I still have Michael Boganowski in my personal top spot. And number two, I would probably have two A, two B, you know, Caden Massey, Gus Hawkins. I really like them both. I probably have Massey number two now and Hawkins number three. I think that's the way I would do it. Four is probably Gavin Hoffman, who just committed to Iowa. He's the tight end out of Blue Valley Northwest. And five, I think I would have John Price, mm-hmm. the running back out of Blue Valley. And two of those, you know, uh, Hawkins and Price, already uh, committed to K-State. Correct. And 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 who knows if they would have been a player for the Gavin Hoffman kid out of Blue Valley Northwest. I think they really, really liked, really liked the kid as a prospect. I think he has a chance to be pretty special. But at the end of the day, Kansas State is so packed right now in the tight end room. They've taken two high school tight end prospects each of the last two classes they already like two or three in 2025, so I think they felt it prudent to to pass on a tight end in the 24 cycle. Well, before we move on uh, to basketball, is there anything else we need to know about this past weekend in, in football recruiting? You know, the only thing that would, you know, Caleb Red was another visitor. Uh, Divas event out of St. Louis, but he picked Kentucky over K-State today. Okay. Speaking with Derek Young from K-Center Line, now, Moving into basketball is actually right before the show. Reading one of your articles that had to do with the uh, the two visits that K State's supposed to have this week. As a matter of fact, uh, they're both scheduled to be here tomorrow, and they're both from West Virginia. Joe Tucson, who's a six foot senior with a year of eligibility remaining, and then you have center uh, Muhammad Wagi uh, from also from uh, from Morgantown, from West Virginia, and they're they're both from the Bronx, New York. So you're talking is about that, Curtis is Kelly. The, was that the pronunciation? Wagi, yeah, I believe so. It actually looks like like wagyu, or you know, like that meat. But I, yeah. I looked it up earlier, and it's wagi. Okay, no, I hadn't looked it up yet, so I'm glad you're uh, educating and informing me on that. I found a uh, a highlight reel earlier today because honestly, I I don't remember like when it comes to West Virginia basketball this past year. You know, wagi, you know, wasn't at the top of my list of memories. But he actually played pretty well against K State in Manhattan earlier this or uh, yeah. last season. But that's, uh, that's the game I didn't. I don't think I got to watch hardly any of it. Were we in New Orleans for that one? No, we were. Uh, that was Big Twelve Championship. Are you sure? Oh no, I I'm sorry. It? No, that was New Orleans. That's right. I'm sorry. I'm getting my games. Uh, Wichita. St- or, yeah, it was the Wichita State game that was. Uh, yeah. Was Big yeah, Twelve we Championship Big weekend? 12, yeah. We. I think I was like in an Irish pub on New Year's Eve with John Kurtz. When, when we were playing West Virginia, watching on someone's phone in overtime. <laughs> I think I just watched in the hotel room. I didn't go out until after. I, 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 I needed a nap. Man, I was so worn out after the Sugar Bowl. I needed a couple of Z's. I knew it would be a long night. Yeah, so I, yeah, there, I, I remember very little about that game. So I couldn't tell you, but I do. I was aware of his pretty impressive stat line against Kansas State uh, on that particular evening. He is someone that hasn't played a ton, but appears like he's starting to mold into the player that's ready for significant minutes. So he'd be a great addition if they can pull it off. Of course, Joe Toussaint also a really ideal fit for what Kansas State's searching for in the backcourt as well. He was supposed to be here on Monday. I'll tell you what, just don't hold your breath just because of kind of the hoops that they have to to jump, jump through for prospects to arrive, obviously, just because Manhattan Airport's still closed, I think, until September and then the fact that just due to weather and some TSA issues that I'm not, you know, all up on in terms of what exactly is happening. I mean, flights are getting canceled and delayed pretty frequently. So this is not 
one. I, I would still say it's probably best to describe it as tentative just because of the travel issues that have been arising across the country. Yeah, the timing, right? Yeah, yeah. Fourth of July coming up, like you said, and uh, MHK not open. Yeah, it's a, a tough time, but hopefully, you'll know, fingers crossed everything works out and both guys can come in on Thursday. And you, and you touched on a little bit about, you know, a couple of things about these two gentlemen. I guess the question is, would it be satisfactory to have those two as the final two scholarships? Oh, absolutely. If they can pull that off, you know, maybe your top one and or top two isn't as good as last year's top one or top two, but one to 13, they'll be significantly better than they were a year ago. Yep. Depth. Joe Toussaint feels like a glue guy who was off the bench last year for West Virginia and was almost averaging 10 points a game. And I was watching, like I said, of uh, Wagi, I was watching his highlight film earlier. Although he does have a bit of an issue with some like silly turnovers, I mean, he can play on both ends of the floor. And what they both have in common, they're pretty solid in transition. So I love, you know, Coach Ting loves yeah. that transition game. So um, Yeah, and they, they're, they're high on their three freshmen. Um, I think especially R.J. Jones at the moment, I think just because he's such a natural scorer that that probably can translate a little quicker. So they're high on them. You, you round out with two, you know, really impressive players that can play significant minutes right now. You already got Arthur Kaluma. You bring back Naquan Tomlin. You already got Tyler Perry. And I think they're really excited what they've seen this offseason already from Jer- all three of Jarrell Colbert, Cam Carter, and David Gasson. Um, leaps, leaps from those three, just because they're kind of in that middle section, uh, would be pretty critical. And I know that the team itself, the players, um, they're – really excited and almost taken aback in a good way of what they have all seen from Cam Carter this year. That, that's a guy that could take off. Well, D.Y., that's all I have for you this week. Uh, make sure to obviously subscribe to K-State Online for the latest of K-State football and basketball recruiting and all the latest headlines. And also, I want to give a, a plug to your uh, three-mile podcast with John Kurtz and our other co-host on PowerCat Game Day. That's Cole Manbeck. You guys are going to be publishing a uh a interview with will howard tomorrow is that right that's right yeah so keep your eyes peeled for that there the will howard podcast should drop tomorrow which is thursday um and it's a good one and and yeah obviously there's a video component to what we do as well and he was flashing the big 12 championship ring when i asked him how much uh how much he wears it is what i asked him so and at the time that i asked him it was literally on the like counter right in front of him so he just grabbed it <laughs> i, I It'd be like a newborn baby. I probably want that thing by my side at all times just to make sure I know where it's at. Yeah, a little, I guess a little sneak peek. He's like, yeah, it's right here. It stays in front of me. It stays in front of my desk at all times. He's like, there's even a spot for a second one right next to it. That's what he said. All right, D.Y., we'll let you go. Have a good 4th of July. We'll talk to you soon. Same to you, Mitch. It's Derek Young from K-Star Online. We'll take a break, and when we come back, hopefully we'll have a few minutes. We're going to have uh, Troy watch. Mankind fly of hell in a cell and get his reaction next. Mitch Troy, Deej Trey here on the game. All right, Troy, I'm going to set the table for you. This is King of the Ring 1998, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And this isn't even the main event. And this this match had been, it's a minute long. Like they had just started. There was actually no bell that rang. So they're on top of the hell in a cell. I'm going to get this going here. So they almost fall through the cell, right? These are two 300-pounders on a top of the cell that's not made to be walked on. So they're they're trying to be very careful here. I know this doesn't make for the best vi- visual on radio. So, and this leads up to the spot here. They're throwing some punches here. 
Foley's at the side of the cage. It's 20 feet. 20 feet. It's, it looks like a car wreck. <laughs> well, and it's also a legendary call by Jim Ross. As God is my witness, he's broken in half. But also in that match, you had then he they get back on top of the cell. Uh-huh. Taker choke slams him, flat backs on the on the ring. So that that highlight isn't in this video, but what you don't see or what you see in that video is there was a chair on that same area where he falls through. Steel chair actually pops him in the mouth when he lands. Ooh. And it knocked out a couple of his teeth. One of them went through his lip and was stuck in his oh. nose. It is absolutely gnarly. Brutal. What McFoley went through in this match. On YouTube today, I saw there is a uh, on YouTube you can find a podcast with Undertaker and McFoley released today, where they kind of go through it and talk play by play. Actually, it's like a DV, like it's like commentary on a DVD. Yeah, they they just watched <laughs> it and made commentary on yeah. it. Yeah, it, it's it's very fascinating. You did watch a little bit of it, but a piece of that they actually talked about. A little spoiler alert: so when McFoley was thrown through the top of it, and he lands in the ring. That's like a fifteen foot fall. Everybody thought that he actually was dead. Yeah, he looks like, dead. Undertaker thought he was dead, and you can't see it in the video, but he's like talking to Terry Funk. He's like, is he alive? Check on yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Terry looks up at him and goes, he's still breathing. Oh, oh. Come down here and kick him. And by the <laughs> way, later on, they introduce thumbtacks into the match. Yeah. Fully takes those. Oh. And I actually looked it up earlier. So here's the injuries that Mankind at the time, Mick Foley is his real name, suffered in the match. A concussion, he dislocated his jaw and shoulder, bruised ribs, he had internal bleeding, puncture wounds from the tax, which it was estimated probably over 100. Oh, and, man. And then, um, and then he had, of course, several teeth knocked out. Here's the, the thing. Mountain. This was at the point where, well, number one, uh, I'm roughly two months away from getting married. <laughs> yeah. So... It was not high on my list of things to be paying attention to. But that was the stretch where wrestling, to me, went even more, I want to say comical. Mm. Because it just became more and more outrageous and snowballed upon itself to try and do more and more outrageous. And at a point, I'm like... There's nothing realistic about this. There's well, nothing there there you know, there's nothing to this that has anything that I'm all that interested in paying attention to. And what years did you say this was? When 90, it got comical? It, well, I mean, yeah, it got mid 90s was the comical ridiculous gimmick stuff that WWE was trying to do. Then they transitioned to the attitude era, and that's when wrestling like took over the world. Like that's when it became mainstream. Mike Tyson came in for WrestleMania 14. That was part of the mainstream success as well. Then all of a sudden, it's the number one TV show in America. And I'm at a point where I had already on Monday nights watched what I had wanted to watch of it in junior high and high school in the Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant era. And really, once I got to college, I wasn't watching it. I mean, you're talking days where wrestling was doing 12 to 15 million viewers on Mondays, I'd a lot rather watch a baseball game. <laughs> See, that's the thing. Like it was brought, somebody brought it up to me. Is like, 
the uh, the College World Series or whatever was going on, and then Forbidden Door was like, "Listen, wrestling and baseball are complete are two completely different. When, even though they're like sports slash sports entertainment or whatever, you're talking about two completely different types of entertainment. But there's no way in hell a baseball game can outperform a, a wrestling show. Just when it like especially pay per view. That's just the way it is when it comes to the excitement." Um, but it didn't get better than the, in the late 90s, early 2000s in pro wrestling. They just did the absolute craziest stuff. And I hate it. Like it, Nothing bothers me more than if wrestling gets brought up and then you have somebody real ignorant says, we know that stuff's fake, right? No, duh. Everybody knows it's fake. <laughs> that, that cat was let out of the bag in the 90s. That, that, this is nothing new. But it's a you know, step, out of the, step out of the ordinary, step out of real life. Enjoy a performance because it's a performance. That's all it is. It's a performance. It's a male soap opera, if you want to call it. When you throw out fake and then you watch Mick Foley put his life on the line and do these crazy stunts for your entertainment, that's where you can really make me blow up. Because <laughs> it's a complete disrespect to what they actually do. Nobody understands the actual punishment that these guys go through. It used to be, the schedule used to be much heavier, talking over 300 dates a year. Not quite like that anymore, thanks to the pandemic. But man, you're talking about a lot of these old timers are needing surgeries. Oh, you know, they yeah. had to go through years of painkillers just to get to the next town. Oh yeah, like absolutely brutal what they did to their bodies. Yeah, but they got the adrenaline rush off the crowd, and, they, and it didn't take till the um, you know late '90s they started actually making some really good money. Yeah, because thanks was, to Bret Hart, and there was no industry standard for like we have to take care of people. Mick Foley. 25 years ago, that's a con- he has a concussion. Yeah, he shouldn't be. They, they shouldn't have put him back in there. The other he thing left. The other thing at this point, I I was not. I, I had been turned off by Vince McMahon at this point. Yeah, away from was it because of the steroids? Uh, it was the steroids. It was personal stuff. It was just I I did not like Vince McMahon uh, helming. Anything that could be valued as entertainment at that point, you know, because I I was recognizing what was happening to the wrestlers themselves. Well, and it, I I, it, I just could not get into it. That, not my thing. That's another stereotype I can't stand about you know outsiders that think of wrestling against the steroids. First of all, that all started in the eighties when it was legal, and Vince McMahon had the image that everybody needed to be a bodybuilder. Well, pressure's on because you gotta you gotta bulk up. You gotta do it quickly. Yeah. You know, everybody everybody did it back then. For sure. But then and, it and, became and a And how are you supposed to be a bodybuilder if you're doing three hundred dates a year? Mm. I mean, the only yeah. way you can do it is to pump yourself full yeah. of stuff. And, and I think I I totally under, I understand where Troy's coming from because there there like Vince McMahon especially Back in, like, if you're talking mid-90s to right about here, late-90s, he was kind of a scumbag. I mean, you know, he just, like, and then he's kind of a bully. I don't know if you've ever watched that Bob Costas interview. is It's kind of tough to watch because the guy's kind of just a psycho. And I, my, I don't I, disagree. When I, talk about, when I talk wrestling with my uncle, he always references, I don't know what it was, but he's like, I saw one time there was a guy in a wheelchair, and they wheeled him out there, and then they threw him out of it and started beating him up. That's the kind of stuff I think people like Troy are like, that's 
stupid. stupid. Yeah. That well, I can't abide by. And it gets by. worse and like, than that. Right. It, like, and you're like, oh, that's that is tame. But I think that's where wrestling loses a lot of people is when you're if if you're watching it, especially if you're watching it and someone else comes in the room and sees you watching that, you're like, yeah, you're right. This is kind of dumb. And I think that that's where the like the separation starts. I ate it up. I thought it was so I, funny. I cannot tell you the last time that wrestling was on my TV. Mm. I cannot tell you. It has literally been that long because I, I don't ever watch it. I, I to to me to be honest, I've always thought about it like this. There are just some people that don't like hip hop. You know, like there are some people that are just like, nope. It's a taste. I don't, it's a taste. And f- wrestling is one of those. It's you either are in or you are out. Well, and I, I know that I wouldn't be the person I am when it comes to my fandom of wrestling if I didn't know what goes on behind the scenes, the politics that takes place. The, just the business in general is extremely fascinating on how that all works, how to put together a show, why guys bounce from promotion to promotion, what's all involved in that. Plus, also knowing what they go through to get to where they're at. Right. Because I don't think there's a job harder than being a professional wrestler. Right. And you do, like, you're part of the show, though, too. You know what I mean? Like, you've done shows, which is cool. And it's like, I think it's also the same way as, like, there's people who could say, I don't remember the last time I've had a baseball game on my TV. You know what I mean? There There are. "Ah, I hate baseball. You know, the the irony of that is while we're talking about where wrestling was in 98 at that point and steroids as an issue 98 is also the summer of the great home run derby oh man the great chase all sure. season long and uh-huh. that that had my attention mm-hmm. to the point we saw Sammy Sosa and the Cubs in Denver on our honeymoon mm-hmm. as part of our trip out there you know that had my attention mm-hmm. and yet they had the intertwined thing Steroids right at the heart of both. Crazy. That's in the crazy. midst of all of it. That's crazy to think about. Both sports had them totally yes. intertwined. Yeah. As, as, as we're sitting here going over that, I'm like, you know, <laughs> this is an odd pairing. That is odd if you think about it. You know what? During the wild. break, I want to show you uh, <laughs> Pete Rose showed oh. up at three straight WrestleManias. Yeah. And in the first one he did, he cut a promo on Boston and it's awesome. Is it good? I'll sh- I have to show it to you during the break. But when we come back, a quick break. I'll get you a quick jabroni of the week after these words. Know your role and shut your mouth. You jabroni. You jabronis hit the jackpot. The Hollywood brand jabroni. Hulk Hogan. Ow. Is this jabroni's name? Jabroni of the week. All right, let's get to it. Don't got a whole lot of time. First dishonorable mention is going to be the UConn students. Uh, UConn, the university announced the damages after UConn won the national championship (laughs) that the students went out and just like tore stuff up in stores, Connecticut and the surrounding area. So the the number is still going up, but the last number reported was damages were up to almost $150,000. But they also announced that 16 people were treated for injuries during what you could call the riots, there were over two dozen arrests, and most of them have been expelled from the university Ooh, wow. after the celebration. Wow. So, carnage in stores, Connecticut. Next dishonorable mention, I'm just going to do two of them. My next dishonorable mention is going to go to a former Stephen F. Austin assistant bowling coach. That's Steve Lemke. Ah. I don't know if you heard this story. I did. I love it. But um, so he's married to the head coach, Amber Lemke. And he was like, you know, he wasn't necessarily an assistant for a while. He's just kind of doing like 
you know, it was like uh, support staff work, and he was getting sick of like not getting to go on road trips. He always had to stay home with the kids. And then he starts to hook up with one of the bowlers. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. The wife found the text messages, called him out on it. Well, she fired him. The wife fired the husband from the team, and now he's off the team. And apparently, like, the Steve Lemke guy, like, he kind of defended the relationship in a way, but also said, like, the text messages didn't have anything, anything damning to it. It's just like it was really just compliments in the text messages. And he said, by the way, uh, whatever we're doing, it's technically not illegal. It's frowned upon, but it's wow. not illegal. Like, he kind of backed up his actions. Wow. But I got to give my jabroni of the week to Zion Williamson because he has now entered an area where he now has a crazy ex-girlfriend. Mm. Because what did Zion do? He cheated on her, on his girlfriend. He cheated on Mariah Mills, and he got a girl pregnant. So what's been the reaction? Mm. Mariah Mills is going nuts <laughs> about this. Nuts number one is that she got Zion tattooed on her cheek. Oh, oh Lord. And now she has released a song called YDC, and I'm not sure exactly what that means, uh, but here are some of the lyrics. I can't believe I fell in love with a player. I want you all to myself. It ain't fair. I gave it all to you, but it seems like you don't care. Oh, boy. Zion, seems like you made a big mistake. He needs to hit up John Mayer and figure out what to do when a girl releases a song about you. I don't know. I was really tied between Zion and Steve Lemke about who to go with Jabroni. Does Steve Lemke have to give back that wrist thing? <laughs> He's off the, off the team. Does he have to give back that hand? Oh, thing? the, the, the glove? <laughs> yeah! Yo, no! Steve, turn in your balls. You're done. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's a big show because coming up next, it is the fourth annual Gaming Awards nominations. Hey, yo. But your local news is also next.